sometimes traumatic things happen to us when we're young, things that are completely out of our control. Sometimes those things set off a series of responses in us that lead to outcomes and choices and ways of coping that end up continuing the trauma and continuing the damage of that traumatic moment day after day, year after year. We might know that we really have to go back and work on it because it affects our health, our romantic relationships, our work, but understandably, we avoid facing it because it is just too hard. And on we go, and the pattern continues. Cam Walker, you might know him as Struthless. He has been in exactly that spot. And with the support of those around him, Campbell did the work, faced what happened, and now, well, on this week's podcast, he will tell you exactly how things are going now. Here's a clue. It's pretty good. You'll hear from Campbell in a moment. Before we get there, this podcast is free to listen to, but it's not free to make, so we do need to pay the people that work here. You might hear an ad. If you hear an ad, thank you. You're helping us keep the lights on. If you don't, you're going to hear Cam. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Humans have a natural tendency to want to get on. They do want to agree and they, they want to be amicable. But the second that we can't see each other's face, people just start going crazy. So I wish that there could be something a little bit more humanizing about tech. I don't know what it is for us, if there's any onus on us, like what's the recycle, go vegan of environmentalism, of social media use, being deeply sympathetic to people and trying to find the good in literally everything and trying to be compassionate as your gut instinct or replacing your gut instincts, like recognizing it and then replacing it with compassion. So if somebody says something that you might not like, or somebody says something which doesn't completely agree with your personal experience and you feel the need to tell them off, recognizing that, recognizing maybe what needs aren't met within yourself and then maybe what needs aren't met within that person and realizing that you're probably pretty similar, just 
with different conditioning and therefore different opinions. That was artist, author, YouTuber and animation studio boss Campbell Walker, also known as Struthless. And this is Better Than Yesterday. Hello and welcome to Better Than Yesterday. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Osher Ginsberg. This is a tri-weekly podcast that hopes to help you make today better than yesterday. Something you hear on this show and on every show will do just that. That's the guarantee. That's what it says in the box. And we've been doing it since 2013. Mondays and Wednesdays, I'm here with a guest. Fridays, I'm here with you. My name's Osher Ginsberg. I'm a TV host. I'm an author. I'm a dad. I'm a stepdad. I'm a barbell lifter. I'm a bicycle rider. I'm a early morning turn up to the shopping mall Chinese massage place to go and see uh, a lovely lady who's probably about 20 years older than me, but looks younger than me and has elbows of steel and is fucking merciless and is amazing. My God. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I was doing the breathing, man. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm okay. But boy, howdy. She was into those release points today. It was awesome. Anyway, that's who I am. <laughs> I'm grateful you're here. If you want to get in touch with me, send us your email at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram. I am getting closer to being able to tell you when we're coming to see you. Melbourne, it looks like the first week in April, aiming for the Sunday, uh, a Sunday, and Brisbane, the third week in April, we're aiming for a Friday, okay? Dates and venues, as soon as I can tell you, I will tell you. We're just kind of getting all our ducks in a row. It'll be you, it'll be me, it'll be a guest, we'll have a chat, we'll make a podcast, it'll be super fun. I might even sing a song. I don't know. Uh, we're going to try and keep the tickets as cheap as possible. Uh, we are still going to have to, you know, make enough money to f- fly me and Rachel and, you know, hire the hall, but <laughs> we're going to try and keep the tickets as, as cheap as possible. Um, but yeah, keep your ear out. Hopefully I'll be able to give you dates either Wednesday or Friday this week. Let me tell you about my guest today. Campbell Walker is an artist, an author, a YouTube sensation, and an animation studio boss. Through his online name, Struthless, he has spent the last few years bending our brains with his glorious satire on politics, social policy, mental health, and sometimes just complete, complete weirdness. His artwork on Instagram has to be seen to be believed. His YouTube work is just superb. Campbell has recently released his first book, Your Head is a Houseboat, which I can honestly say, because I've read a lot of them, Your Head is a Houseboat is easily the most accessible mental health book in a generation. Campbell has the ability to visualize complex psychological concepts so simply, so that in just a few moments, a page can truly transform and reframe something that is is causing you an issue in your life. That's not an exaggeration. A book, though, of course, a book isn't going to do the work for you. There is homework in the book. And if that doesn't work, time to see a professional, maybe time to get some medication. I've done all three. And that's what's worked for me. 
for you might be different, but we talk all about that in this conversation. I should mention that Campbell and I do cover a lot of quite delicate ground today. This is a content warning right up the front. We speak about sexual abuse, drug use, drug overdoses, there's talk of self-harm. It's all in context, nothing sensationalized, but it's important that we say those words out loud and talk about that because it sets up what happens. I adore Campbell. I adore all that he's doing. He even has a clothing label, all right? If you want to find Campbell online, look for Struthless, S-T-R-U-T-H-L-E-S-S. Just search that and you'll find him. I can't wait for you to get to know Campbell Walker. How are you, Cam? Yeah, dude, I'm good. I'm uh, a bit chill this morning, like, which is nice. So that's rare. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, usually I'm just a big ball of nervous energy. So I don't know, kind of a li- little bit more relaxed than usual. A morning's easy? I don't know, man. I think things have been particularly difficult this year in general. I think, though, I'm starting to trend positive. Yeah. I'm seeing that little Dow Jones line in my mood creep back up. <laughs> I'm going mm-hmm. through a thing at the moment where... I'm just fucking getting up a quarter to five. Like, mm. And my, my brain does that thing of like, hey, did you think did you think to worry about this? Like, no. Oh, I, my God. I yep. didn't, but now I have a jet of adrenaline flushed through my body. <laughs> oh, there it is. It's woken up my prefrontal cortex. Up oh, there, I can get, get to rationalize that thought. Okay, that thought doesn't matter, but now I'm stuck with this fucking feeling. 100%, man. Yeah, yeah. Been, uh, been about the same. Similar awakening schedules as well. I'm like, oh, yeah. shit, man. <laughs> now I'll just go up, get up on the bike. I'm like, I'm, I'm oh, awake. Cool. I'll just go ride. Yeah, may as well. Yeah. Do you watch the sunrise a bit? No. No, I don't. I, I just I just ride my bicycle up mm. in the attic. Nice. Oh, that bike. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, that, yeah, not, not the outside bike. I don't want to think about traffic too early. <laughs> That's precisely it, you know. And <laughs> when when... You're riding bikes and you tr- it's hard to get out of the house quietly when you're walking in those shoes. Yeah, and forget, yeah, yeah. Fucking forget everything. Are my, my USB lights charged? Like there's one lying around here. Like, no, where's my helmet? Where's my thing? I haven't got my Sponge thing. stuff. Plus you can like watch videos and stuff when you're on the stationery, you know? Yeah. Or listen to podcasts and not have to worry about beeping horns. Yeah, I, I like it. Where in, the, uh, where in the world do we find you today, Cam? Today, I'm just in my, my skinny little house uh, here in the predictable inner west. <laughs> um, I know when you, when you look like me, it's a co-requisite that you have to live here. And about yourself, you're you're just in your purple room. I'm in my purple room. The neighbours are building a pool, and nice. so we've had four days of jackhammering next door. And on it's been raining this whole week. And yeah. Wolf, Wolf is he just turned two, and I don't know, like yeah. You know, sure, money's cool, but have you ever been a two-year-old watching a digger? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Fuck it. There's nothing better. So I've got this <gasps> pair of uh, hearing protection earmuffs, right? Uh, sure. Put them on a digger, digger, and we go and watch the digger. And Brayden is the name of the driver. We go and talk to Brayden. And Brayden's <laughs> jackhammer. Yeah, Brayden's got the jackhammer now. So we've been, we've been watching the digger every day, and it's been the fucking best. That is amazing. I hear it picks up at season two as well. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. I was talking to, I've been speaking to him every day for the last four days, right? Mm. And I'm like, when did you start? But he goes, oh, when I was 18, I didn't really know much, you know, where I was going to go, what I was going to do when I finished school. Like, who the fuck does? Yeah. And he goes, oh, yeah. So I, you know, started doing this and I'm watching him work, Cam. He's like, 
it's a tiny little space. It's a tiny little mm. like Eastern Sydney backyard. They don't. They, yeah. It's smaller than this room is what he's trying to dig straight down, right? But he's got to get the only space he's got to work in is the size of the pool. So he's mm. got to get the digger inside that and then work inside that. It's like watching a craftsman. Well, like watching is someone just like sculpting something. But he's using his hands and this articulated arm and it's like those uh what are they called? Like the mech suits, you know, <laughs> the ones that it you always see really in those is. movies and people are battling yeah. in the big robot suits. Have you ever seen a chainsaw sculptor work on ice? No, I have not. But you're aware of it. They get a chainsaw and they carve them. Yeah, and they do the Yeah, and so they're wielding this huge thing and they can craft like a, I don't know, like a swan with a chainsaw. Like that's what it's like watching this guy. And I'm looking at him like, you're probably fucking 23. You're out here just building pools. And the next, you know, your earth is always going to need to get moved. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And you are set. I'm always sad. She's like, you got to become a trader. It's the only way to make money. (laughs) <laughs> like, <laughs> what was was that did was there a path for you like because i think about high school a lot because g's finishing her grade 12 right now yeah did you have a did you did, was there a path for you in high school did you know what you wanted to do where you wanted to go what you wanted to end up yeah i thought i wanted to get into physics that was sort of my first love was science physics probably not as much chemistry i loved chemistry but like when i was thinking about all right what do i want to do afterwards yeah, I thought that, but um, not too long after that, I I went and got a degree at ANU. Well, I applied and I got in, which was pretty cool because, I don't know, it's a hard uni to get into, so I was pretty stoked. And, yeah. Then a degree I in physics? Getting, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you fucking legend. <laughs> yeah, man, but I ended up getting kicked out <laughs> like eight months later. For the chemistry? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, because of all the chemistry that I was conducting. <laughs> I was I was um, getting an unorthodox business degree on the side, put it that way. Ah, copy that. <laughs> yeah. You're not the first chemistry. person I've spoken to about. How the hell you got to make money, man? a and expensive. It is. It is. What happens then? What happens at that point? Like you're... You're, you're fresh out of school, you're in this yeah. university, you're surrounded by people who they've got purpose, they know where they're going, yeah. they're fucking amazing, they're the, the sons and daughters of powerful people, they know what's they going were. on. And I was from, I was like, I don't know, I felt like the one public school kid at ANU and I was like, hi guys, <laughs> oh shit, your school offered more than two unit maths, oh fuck, here we are. Um, but yeah, after sort of getting kicked out, I didn't really know what to do. I developed a pretty like serious drug problem as a teenager anyway so i was between several rocks and several hard places my family kind of like dissolved around this point it was actually a pretty bizarre period and they had lost lots of money they the house had been repossessed by the bank so there was nowhere to go home to and there was no uni and i was like well i don't really know what to do so i did what anybody would do and i put myself into my grandparents house overseas and I tried to sober up. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of that? If you, like, is it okay to talk about the drug stuff? Hell yeah, man! Let's dive into the deep end. How old? I still remember the day that my friend who got kicked out of school when we were fourteen showed up when I was supposed to be studying for exams, and he showed up with a bag of weed and a guav video. I'm like, <laughs> okay, and that life, sounds pretty fun. <laughs> life was never the same after that. Uh, I was fifteen. You know, experimenting smoking weed for the first time, but, you know, that was Brisbane. We didn't really know anything else. How did things start for you? Yeah, it'd be around the same age. The 
first, the very first time I smoked weed was super confronting because I it was with a friend of mine and we went into her bedroom to smoke weed and the whole time that she was like, okay, so this is how you pull a cone, like all, all, of, the, all of the classic stuff. But the thing that made it not so classic was her brother was like one foot away from me shooting up heroin the whole time. And so me in my very naive childlike brain, I was like, Oh, okay, this is what drugs are. Yeah, cool. All right. <sighs> Fucking shit. Yep. A toe in is, a, is is basically jumping in in the deep end. I just figured it was all that from oh the game. Oh, my God. What part of the world was this in? Uh, Far North Sydney, like kind of like Hornsby, Barara, that kind of area. Jesus. Um, I believe the exact suburb would have been like West Pennant Hills or something. Holy shit. Heroin is, that's no joke. Yeah, man. How yeah. old was he? Is he still uh, alive? Uh, uh, nah, he died from an overdose um, a couple of years after that. So um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what happens. But nah, Evan, Evan was, he would have been like two years older than us. Yeah. And that's always, you know, best friends, older brothers and sisters are the ones that give us the good music. They, you know, they're, yeah, they're the people yeah. that, they're the ones that, oh, wow, no, there's this band called DRI. You should really get into them. Like, who? <laughs> you like Dead Kennedys. You love DRI. Really? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I mentioned, I'm now mentioning They were the original Spotify recommenders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and these are the people that if you're lucky, one day you get invited to, a you know, a gather with them. You know, mm, no, no, you guys mm. should come around. You kids, yeah, come around and hang out. And then all of a sudden, you're standing there, kind of. You might only be 18, but now you're drinking with all these 20 year olds who are really into hardcore shit. You're like, fuck, man. Yeah, yeah. And then you dial up the the one hardcore thing about you, and mm. you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty hardcore yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. Actually. I said, I said a letterbox on fire once too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's something I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pissed me off. So yeah. when Jesus Christ, man. So that's that's really that's really intense. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm guessing yeah. it was a pretty quick, quick descent into yeah. yeah from that. Um, fairly, it was a bit experimental. Like I didn't really have the the breaks, so like I think I ended up having like my first OD at 16, which was pretty hectic. Jesus and, Christ! And um, yeah, ended up yeah with a pretty pretty hectic amphetamine addiction by about 18, and then. I don't know. Tried to pretty much wrestle with that for like a, a couple of years, and then yeah. You, as, a, as someone who's you know quite a way away from that now, mm. I, I mean, I can only think about what I was. You know, when, when I think about why I drank, it was this this magical liquid that made all the anxiety go away. It yeah. made all the yep. fear go away. It made everything stop. It made they just made everything made everything better and when it didn't then i looked for more of it and then when that didn't i looked for more of everything else that would complement it all right Completely. All, I was, all i was trying to do is to keep the uncomfortable feelings of my body away looking back now what is it do you think that you were using for oh so many things i think looking back now like i think i had a good upbringing and especially relative to just the millions of ways that you can be born in this world but I also think it was extremely chaotic and turbulent. And so I think there was a lot of things that were unaddressed that I was just trying to ignore and things that I just didn't really want to address either. So there'd be that. I think um, just general mental health conditions that run pretty strongly on both sides of my family as well. 
Right. That, uh, yeah, heaps of stuff, heaps. Because that can, ha- can happen. There's someone in my life and she has now been, she now takes actual medication for it. Mm. But she was diagnosed as um, ADHD. Yeah. And chased using ice because yeah. she wouldn't run around in circles on crystal meth. She would be like, yes, yeah, so anyway, um, like everything would just. Yeah, I totally understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's exactly, you know, that then I, I, I remember my doctor telling me once, because I don't understand why you're using all these drugs. There's way cleaner, way better, way more regulated Cheaper. drugs that will do the same thing. And it's way safer. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's cheaper. You don't have to know like three guys. You, know, you just need to know one pharmacy. You don't have to make small talk, calling it on a yeah, couch in exactly. a suburb you don't want to be in for 15 minutes before. 100%, dude. Yeah. Don't have to hear a story about his snake. Yeah. Oh, he's got a nah, bro, fucking I'm snake. reptiles, bro. Oh, yeah, if you got, have a, fucking snakes, bro. If you have a snake in a fish tank at your house, I don't know if we can be friends. And that includes oh. you, Slash. That includes you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. You're keeping a reptile yeah. as a pet? Yeah, I hear you need a reptile license to have a reptile, but you actually need a reptile to have a meth license. So it's sort of cumulative. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Where was the, they, they, they don't tell you that in math school. <laughs> uh, what, they t- what they tell you in, in sober school, and I'm, I'm still a, a student of sober school, what they do tell you is to watch out for things called a geographic, which is like, I know all my problems are because I live here. If I move <laughs> over there, <laughs> everything will be better. And what they talk to you about in sober school is like, guess what? It's all going to follow you wherever you go. <laughs> when, you, when you went to the overseas place, what happened? Yeah. Well, that was New Zealand, which is where my family's from. So I was relatively sober, um, which was nice. Um, and relatively meant I was still drinking alcohol, but <laughs> you know, you know. Yeah. And then I ended up, because I ended up with a bit of cash, I just went traveling for a while. Because what else do you do if you're like, oh, well, I don't want to be here and I don't want to be there. So I'm going to go overseas. But of course, then when you're traveling, you just end up, you know, getting loaded while you're traveling. <laughs> It's been a much longer journey than just sticking myself overseas. But I think it all, like sobriety in general, started with me being able to kind of look back. Actually, you were a little bit instrumental to that. Yeah? Yeah, man. Um, so I don't think I've ever told you this story. But you know what? Let's get in, in, into the even deeper end. So Tom, I've said this. Uh, I've got a, I know Tom, a guy with a jackhammer that can help us I, get there. I was about to say, I think it's the pool analogy. I think it's primed me for, yeah, for continuing the pool metaphor. All right. So it was after your live show, you did a song about sexual abuse. Um, yeah. Yeah. And at the time, this was not something that I was prepared to recognize within myself as part of my past. And like Felicity, my partner has like since pointed out like the exact patterns of what happened after that. So we left that show and I got horribly drunk. And then for about the next two months, I I pretty much was just eating Xanax the whole time. And I didn't realize that they were linked until about a year later when I went to therapy. Oh, actually it wasn't too long after. It was about a month later that I went to therapy. And the therapist kind of explained that what a trigger is and what a flashback is and how things can pop up and how we subconsciously make decisions based on them. And that sort of helped me sort out a lot of things. So thank you. Overdue, but thank you. 
I, I don't know what to say, Cam. I, for context, um, the show you're talking about is I did a live show based on the book that I wrote and I needed to do a trigger warning. And Zoe Norton Lodge, who directed it, said, you should write a song that sounds like the Andrews sisters. You know, here it comes a really bad show. There's going to be all kinds of fucking shit. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And so I got Mike Mills' toe hider. I got him to write the song for me. And I was like, I need a video for this. And I loved watching what you were doing on Instagram. And so I reached out. And you made the video that played. You made the so the video that played with the trigger warning song. Only to find out that it, I didn't really listen to it. <laughs> Apparently. You even did the subtitles. <laughs> I know, but I'm like, <laughs> I got triggered. <laughs> I remember after the show, you came up and we spoke and it was yeah. you and Felicity. I remember after the show, you came up and you said, hey, I was just so, so happy that you were there. But I remember there was something in your eye. There was something in your eye and I'm like, Something happening now. Now you mention it, I'm like, that's, yeah, that, that's um, what it is. You had that, that? yeah. Wow, you had that fear that pretty much kickstarted everything, dude. Like, so that kickstarted me actually going to therapy, um, which kickstarted actual sobriety, which ended up turning into you know the second half of my life so far. So, thank you. <sighs> marinate <laughs> no, there's, yeah there's, there's these these tears in my eyes cam so i'm really so i'm really sorry that that happened to you no no dude thank you thank you it was necessary my my game plan which i hadn't articulated to myself but i realize now was to die with it as a secret uh, right you know of course you know yeah i, I wrote a song about it because i'm a, a f terrible actor and it's a very tricky thing to talk about. In fact, that was the reason I'm like, it's going to have to be music because I'm going to talk about this. But the only way I can talk about it that it's going to make it okay and not like, you know, the one man show, black mm. t-shirt, low cut, you know, kind of cut off black t-shirt. <laughs> Every time I click my fingers. <laughs> yes, exactly. I didn't want it to be that because that could be written off. You know that yeah, people. Yeah, it's yeah, saccharin. Yeah. Well, yeah, people well, straight away. People, it speaks in a language that people know about, and they can very easily not absorb what it is about. They just go, oh, this is just that thing. I've seen this before. First chorus, yeah. bridge, chorus, fade out. It's like it just yeah. there it is. So I'm like, how do I do it? Okay, I'll, I'll write a song that sounds like, uh, I remember talking to Mike about it because Mike's incredible. So it's got to sound like a Patsy Bisco kids song. Mm, mm. And he said, okay. Uh, so I, I wrote all the lyrics and he he did all the music. <laughs> yes. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And I've got to, I've got to, this is how much I love my wife. She, that night, it was the first night we, you came on the first night we ever did the show. I said, mm. are you ready, boys and girls? And Rory's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> She's fucking funny, man. Let's go. So, yeah, I totally get that. And the pattern that you've just described is probably going to be familiar with two people who are living with that kind of stuff. Mm. What would you say to people who have, and it might be sexual abuse that happened when they were a kid, when they were powerless mm. or any other kind of abuse that happened in their life. Prob there's probably people listening who have some sort of trauma that they're like, oh, I'm not ever going to tell anyone about that. And the less I talk about it, the better. What would you tell people who are carrying that weight? Uh, this is not my quote. It was Lewis Howes who said this, but it's brilliant. He said, you're only as sick as your secrets. And I think that that 
could not be more true. It's like, it's literally like carrying a weight. If there's somebody else to carry it with you, it's going to feel lighter. And the more people that know, or the more people that you trust that you can tell, the more you realize that, I don't know, for me, I thought that people would be disgusted by me or people would gaslight me and be like, oh, it was your fault or something. Or that I would somehow make everybody hate me in the weirdest way possible. But if you love someone, give them the credit that they deserve because if they've won your love, then they can win your trust as well. And I, man, and if they don't support you, fuck them. <laughs> but they probably will. And as, as you mentioned, you're not alone. And no matter what happens to you, there are clinically tested and clinically proven very effective ways to help heal that wound. 100%. Because if you walk around with it, what, do you, what happens if you walk around with a dirty wound? You know, eventually it's going to fucking take you down. It'll kill you. You'll die of sepsis, you know. <laughs> what was it like talking to Felicity at that point? Like, did she know? Did you have to go, look, this thing happened or? Um, she said that I had told her about two or three times throughout our relationship when I was like blackout drunk because I'm charming apparently. Um <laughs> Yeah, and she's like, she's like, I had a very strong suspicion, but it's nice to hear you cognizantly confirm it. So she wasn't surprised. And nor am I to hear how you then dealt with that flare-up, you know. Mm. Xanax is a, to quote the late, great Rick James, Xanax is a hell of a drug. Oh, it really is. Not, yeah, there is. <laughs> it's a dangerous fucking man. As much, as, as much noise as we're making about actual chemical medical. pharmaceuticals, like actual pharmaceutically pharmaceuticals. Be so fucking careful. Damn. Everyone needs to be so damn careful. Dangerous, dangerous, <laughs> dangerous things. What was the point where you went, I'm going to have to sort this out? Oh, I've had too many to remember a single one, I think. And I think I even asked you this when I interviewed you. I was like, was there a rock bottom? And you were like, rock bottoms. And I was like, hmm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I dragged along the bottom, like a, yeah. I dra- like a dragged anchor, you know. Yeah. But every time I, you bounce, you mm. kind of smash something else and eventually you're like, fuck, I'm down here because I'm the one that chose to do Ah, oh, fuck, it's me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> basically. So, yeah, it was pretty much dragging along the bottom. <laughs> So many times. I mean, there's so many times when you yeah. find yourself 3 a.m. at some party and you don't know anyone. You're like, who the uh, fuck am I talking to? And you're like, why the fuck am I here? And you just feel so fucking depressed. And you're like, now I've got to deal with the chemical consequences of this as well. Uh, yeah. Mm. But eventually there comes a point where, you know, as they say, you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. Was that a clear moment? Was it like at two in the afternoon when you were watching the sun do something cool in the trees? What was it? I wish I could say it was, but it wasn't. I think I've felt the guilt around substance abuse almost like since I was 18. So I feel like so often throughout the years, and they've, they've you know, increased in their frequency, there'll be these moments where I pause and I'm like, i got to stop this. i got to stop this. And I can remember some of the earlier ones. It was like the first time that my best friend was like, oh, dude, do you reckon we have a drug problem? And I was like, 
what's that? <laughs> you know, not what's that, but like that was my reaction. Like, yeah, yeah. what? Nah, oh, nah. Yeah, old mate from my first story has a drug problem. I'm fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so that's, that probably kickstarted the guilt. And then there were other times I remember like just coming off bad trips and being like, yeah, just look at my life. And I'm like, okay, this is actually going downhill. In terms of like beautiful moments of sobriety though, I can remember there was one time when, because I feel like the myth of sobriety in so many addict stories and stuff is the cold turkey myth and that there are so many people who hit that rock bottom and then see God or see some sort of euphoria, turn their life around and become an ultra endurance marathon runner. <laughs> I found it more to be more of a whimper than a bang. And so it turned into sort of casual drinking and me being able to justify casual drinking with any occasion. Like, oh, it's the dog's birthday. And then it got to the point where it was actually Felicity's birthday and a friend of mine was like, oh man, come around, come around, come around. And he is a big dude. He's about three times the size of me and we're at his house and he's, he's a self-made man. He is disgustingly rich and I've seen him become disgustingly rich and now he loves to flaunt it. And so, you know, he's pulling out these like, bro, you can only get this gin in this part of the world and it cost me fucking like four house deposits. Here you go, dude. And like, you know how normally you'd mix gin, like two fingers of gin with the rest of its soda? Yeah. He's doing two fingers of soda and the rest of its gin. Uh-huh. And he's just like, man, I weigh like 120 kilos, bro. I got to get litty. And I'm like, yeah, dude, bottoms up. And there's me. I weigh like 65 kilos. <laughs> and he's pouring me the same drinks. Next minute, I'm vomiting all over his fancy house and I'm like, oh, shit, this is embarrassing. But that was probably the most catalyzing moment of, I guess, the drinking ending. Because after that, I was like, no more, no more. And then I went pretty cold turkey after that. I guess, you know, there's heaps of myths about sobriety and it's funny. I'm, I I know a few of those ultra, ultra marathon runners. Yeah, and they're well. sick dudes. I, I fucking want to be one, man. <laughs> uh, well, I, I can I introduce you to a really good running coach. Uh, yeah. It's certainly something that I have found great relief in, you know, someone with obsessive compulsive disorder. And, you know, if you've got a compulsive, you know, thing that you have to do, like you could go into fitness and, mm. you know, that there's worse things you could obsess over you know as long 100%. as it doesn't destroy I, I love your life to run like <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but when, when it comes to myths of sobriety and this is certainly one that i found when i was on the other side of sobriety that i could not imagine life not using or drinking i couldn't mm-hmm. imagine how mm-hmm. anything could ever be fun or good or expansive or explosive or breakthrough or creative without drinking and using. So true. Um, what would you say to that myth about sobriety? Uh, your creativity kickstart when you get the substances out. I feel like maybe, it, I mean, this is just my personal experience, but I've also heard it verified by a lot of other people. I remember, I think it was like a, was it Nikki Glazer on Rogan talking about how she can pretty much map her career to her sobriety. And she's like, the more sober I got, the bigger I got as a Canadian. I'm like, yeah, that's sick. And I would say like, I'm experiencing something similar in terms of how I see my output Um, as somebody who makes a lot of work. I feel like its quality can be directly mapped to, well, inversely proportional to how many substances are in me. (laughs) I used to joke that you'd be amazed how much my career picked up the moment I put the bong down. (laughs) 
<laughs> Do you reckon they're related? And you know, but I was still drinking and using at the time. I was like, yeah, when I stopped, once I stopped smoking weed, you're like, well, all of a sudden, you know, TV started to kick off and all these other gigs showed up. <laughs> but I was, you know, I was saying to Audrey last night, I remember right after I got divorced and I'm I'm in a a, a meeting of my sober school and um I spoke and this bloke came up to me afterwards and he said, I know what it's like right now. And I was, I think I was like, I don't know, it's like maybe not even six months in, not even. And he goes, I know what it's like now, but I'm here to tell you it's it's going to be amazing. And I said, yeah, but I've got no fucking super. I've got, I'm living on a friend's spare room. I've got, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I've thrown all this money away. Everything. I've got no job. And he goes, yeah, trust me, it's going to be incredible. And I'm like, you're telling me fucking fairy stories. <laughs> All right, you might as well be telling me about a big bad wolf who's going to come and eat Hansel and Gretel. Like, I don't know if that's what happened, but <laughs> something that I think that's the something like, <laughs> like that. Like a poor man toe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chuck the wolf in the oven. I could not, even if I had a time traveling machine, I could not go back and describe my life to myself 10 years ago. You know, you're going to yeah. live in a house in this suburb with this many primetime TV shows on air. You're going to have. Uh, two editions of this, of a book, you're going to have this, you're going to have a podcast, you're going to have all this kind of stuff, you're going to have gigs, that you have, so many gigs you're saying no, and you're going to have done it sober. I'd be like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because like I wish that would happen. I wish we could, you know, normalize time travel people. No, I wish that could happen <laughs> just so like I wouldn't worry the whole journey up to that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, again, that's what I was, I was again last night was talking to Audrey. I'm like, I just, if you think about, you think about six months ago, even just mm. now, if you describe what everything going on for you right now today to yourself six months ago, would you believe it? No, no. <laughs> what about six months ago, Cam, trying to describe six months before that? I think there was, that change was more gradual. I don't know. There's been a lot of rapid change this year. Like even six months, no. But I mean, it all it all makes sense looking back, of course. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's just trusting that that me in six months. Yeah. If that guy was to say, yeah, no, and dude. Recognizing, mm. oh, this is this is a path, and all I need to do is keep doing what I'm doing, and this path will be our, be all right. For people who are listening, who have you know been through similar stuff or struggle with substances. What role would you say that your your partner's had in how you are today? She is my rock, man. Yeah, I couldn't have done anything in life without her. That's genuinely how I feel. She's just walked up. Oh, my God. Thank you, darling. Um, Has she given you more coffee? No, she actually gave me a smoothie. Oh, probably wow. calmed me down from the coffee. Yeah, she's made herself one. That is lovely. Okay, case in point, the loveliest human being on this goddamn planet. Um, just so perfect and hilarious and loving and kind and everything and just an amazing listener amazing communicator of her feelings super honest and has a lot of integrity i don't know like can't fault her on there how do you think you've been able to maintain the closeness of your relationship going through what you've been going through the last you know three years i guess we both have a pact that we know that the person that will be in three years or the person that will be with in three years won't be the person that we're with now. So like we often talk about how whoever we are at 40, like we'll, it's very likely that we'll re-fall in love with that person. And I look back, like we've been together nearly eight, nine years. 
And, you know, when we met, we were both little stoners. Like, that's all we did was, I don't know, I had a cassette player with these two gigantic hi-fi speakers and like seven lamps and a mattress on a pallet. And that was my bedroom. And yeah, then the bongs. And that was basically our life was just listening to tapes and smoking cones and she'd work at a pharmacy. I worked at the cafe. And it's evolved into a much lovelier life and we've each just encouraged each other. So if we can turn from that into this and still like each other and who we're becoming, then why not continuously fall in love with each other? That's preachy as fuck. I'm sorry, but that's how it feels. But it's per- <laughs> mate, it's perfect. I love it. I love mm. it. And you speak with such authenticity, which I think is, is you know, it's no surprise that you've ha- you have found so much success in addressing people down the barrel of, of a camera. You know, I, I did come to your work through your, your art, through the stuff you do with a pen. The video stuff you do is exceptional. And as someone who speaks on camera for a living, and I'd like to think I know what makes people good at it. And it's no surprise you are finding the success you're finding because of when you speak, Cam, you're speaking from a place of, I fucking know. And you're not making anything up. Even if it's, sometimes you do videos that are just, I, you know, it might not be about the deepest shit in the world. <laughs> That's fine. But you're, but you're speaking, you're speaking through a sense of, you know, I'm, I didn't just read about this on a, on a Medium article and now I'm parroting it back to you. You're like, no, 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 this is, this is some stuff. When did you start becoming comfortable being on, on camera? I, I'm, from what you've told me, I can imagine there might have been a time in your life when you weren't. Um, firstly, thanks, dude. That's like highest praise coming from yourself, um, somebody who's been on camera definitely more than the average Australian. Um, so thanks dude. Um, uh, in terms of becoming comfortable on camera, like that's a pretty recent feeling, I think. And I still have to sort of work up the nerves to be like, all right, today we're going to be on camera. All right. So I'm going to go for a run. I've got to do this, 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 this. Like I'm a little bit superstitious with how I've got to plan my day before jumping in front of a camera, but probably Around the start of last year, I was on a trip through Sri Lanka because I, I don't know, just wanted to get out of the country. It was just before coronavirus hit. Actually, coronavirus hit the town we were in on the day that we left Sri Lanka. And I remember waking up and there was everybody in, in their masks and stuff. But during that trip, I bought the camera with me and I'm like, oh, just in case I feel like you know, making a video or something. And I found myself really drawn to video. And so I started like sticking on the camera. And I think because I had no reminders of my normal context it allowed me to be somebody else which was or maybe me that I was hoping that I would become and so when I turned on the camera I just felt like I was talking naturally and every time that I'd hiccup or start to get back into a monotony or something like that I'd just picture my friend's face instead of the lens and then start having a conversation with him I'm like yes cool That's really the key. <laughs> that's kind of, I have a very simple experience with a camera on a traveling trip, and that's kind of how mm-hmm. I learned how to do it. Making videos for my friends was how it started for me. When you think about YouTube, can be a very scary place. It can be a place oh, that can, a beast, dude. can radicalize mm-hmm. people, and we're seeing the effects of it play out on the streets of our cities. Um, I know. Mm. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. I oh, know, because then you'll find it. There's a thing. Called, there's a thing. <laughs> Go on incognito. <laughs> well, there's, there's a thing called Six Degrees of Alex Jones, which basically 
you know, <laughs> that you're only ever six recommended videos away from finding some Alex Jones video. Gay video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> some sort of fucking wild challenging of reality. Totally. And <laughs> when you when you see the you know the effects that this video platform is having on our community as it is, you know, a, a thing that you are currently, you know, publishing on and finding great success on. What are some things that you think could be better about how we treat these gigantic media companies like Alphabet and, and Facebook? Yeah, I think um, I'd probably switch the question first, but that's like the young idealist in me being like, how can they treat us better? <laughs> us, the users of their platform who give them so much eyeball for dollar. And I would love for tech to I would love for there not to be such a huge emphasis on enraging content and divisive content I would love for that to happen I don't know if it can happen or if they're just appealing to something so deep within us that we all want that I was thinking about it the other day with divisive content and the fact that so many comment sections like I saw this comment section the other day man like it was about like dogs and you know how like you can see like a glimpse of the top comment it was like okay so you're one of those vaccines are good people and i was like wow how did a dog photo go straight to vaccines and this is an ice cold take this is such old news but if those two people were in the same room humans have a natural tendency to want to get on they do want to agree and they, they want to be amicable but the second that we can't see each other's face people just start going crazy so I wish that there could be something a little bit more humanizing about tech. I don't know. What, I don't know what it is. I mean, people report to have the most positive experience on YouTube compared to any other social media, and I suspect it's because you're getting the most human version of something. Like Twitter, you're just getting <laughs> a thought, and then you have to reverse engineer what that person will be like based on one dimension alone. Whereas YouTube, you can sort of pick up on some social cues, and you can get nuance in a you know decently long video. So anything that could make it more humanizing, I think for us, if there's any onus on us, like what's the recycle go vegan of environmentalism of social media use? I think being deeply sympathetic to people and I think trying to find the good in literally everything and trying to be compassionate as your gut instinct or replacing your gut instincts, like recognizing it and then replacing it with compassion. So if somebody says something that you might not like, or somebody says something which doesn't completely agree with your personal experience and you feel the need to tell them off, recognizing that, recognizing maybe what needs aren't met within yourself and then maybe what needs aren't met within that person and realizing that you're probably pretty similar just with different conditioning and therefore different opinions and maybe, I don't know, kiss on the lips a little. No, hug it out, I'm joking. <laughs> well, that's very hard to do. And you're right that these companies, particularly um, Facebook and Alphabet, which runs uh, Google, these companies, they make money where people conflict. They mm. make money. They hear the sounds of cash registers. They don't, we don't know it has cash register anymore. All the they Shopify see, notifications. Yeah, now. all they see is stock <laughs> price going up. All I see is stock price going up every time someone says, fuck you and your vaccinated dog. Like yeah. every time someone takes the time to type that into a keyboard, they have made those companies money. And what does it cost you? A shit feeling in your body and being probably mean to someone that you love because you feel horrible about this thing you didn't know existed 30 seconds ago and now you're mad at it. 
Yeah. Gunning Kruger effect in full force. It's cooked, man. <laughs> My friend the other day, she posted these screenshots and she had Googled, does fruit make you blind and is fruit good for your eyesight? And the top comment on Google was, why fruit is terrible for your eyesight on the first one. And then on the second one, how fruit is the best thing for your eyesight. And she's just like, man, whatever the hell you Google is just what you're going to get. Which I know, once again, ice cold take, but damn, man, it's good to talk about it. I think that's, we're teaching Wolf to cross the road. Yeah. Stop at the edge. This is the part you stop. This is where you look for. You've got to look for cars coming this way. You've got to look the other way and then you've got to look back again. All right. You've got to hold my hand and we've got to walk across together. I know you don't want to hold my hand because you're an independent young man. We have to hold hands. If you don't hold my hand, I'm going to carry you. You choose. What do you want to do? I, f- I really feel that, you know, we teach people in primary school and in high school how to avoid getting into trouble in social situations with, you know, people they may not know. We we try to teach manners to people so that then when they're in a pub and someone spills their drink, they are I'm sorry, mate. You're right, mate. Rather than fuck you, like that's going to end up. You you know, we try to teach people this social lubrication around personal interaction. You know, and I I do see it with the kind of seminars and things they put my elders through at school, but I I would like to see it more, I guess. Just a skill set for dealing with life crossing the freeway of the social media world. (laughs) Well, it's cooked. I mean, it's such a, you know, new new way to communicate. And the fact that, like, it's more or less reading people's minds or reading the part of people's minds that people want read. Tell me about that. Well, I think, like, all we are on social media, or not all we are, but one thing that we are on social media is our own brand managers. So we put out the things that we would like to reinforce the identity that we think we have. So if I want the identity of being an articulate creative guy who can help you, let's, for example, um, then I would put out content that reinforces that identity. And then somebody would see that and they would have to reverse engineer my personality from all that I'm putting out. And if I'm putting that out, then they might, if all they see is good stuff, there is a chance that they would not get you know the three hours a day that I spend having panic attacks or something like that and even if I mention it it might not go in and similarly if all people are putting out is I don't know cars I'm just gonna be like bro you're a car guy that's all you are and what I find after just scrolling through I don't know lockdown's been pretty gnarly I think my screen time's been like four hours a day it's been just disgusting dude But what I find after those four hours have driven a truck through my head is that I feel like I've read everybody's mind, but only the part of their mind that they want to be read. So only the part of them that is their own little PR manager. They're like, this is what I'm like. This is what I'm like. This is what I'm like. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. And I'm the same. And I think that's what freaks me out. I'm like, fuck. I, I don't know what to do with this information, but going on my phone is literally the worst experience of my life and I do it like a hundred times a day. <laughs> so how do you how do you manage that? I've tried in the past to take Instagram off my phone. In the past oh, yeah, I, I do that. I've even given Audrey my screen time passcode. So even if I wanted to put it back on my phone, it won't go. Yeah, and then you gotta ask for it and you feel kind of embarrassed. Which yeah. I have done. Audrey. <laughs> I do it. That's funny, it's man. Back That's on, it's back on right now. I, I hate it because there's some things I can't get other people to post, so it's still there. And it goes, I'm yeah. Just, I'm just in your pocket. I'm just you. Check me. Check me. Mm-hmm. See, if, mm-hmm. see if someone you have never met likes a photo. 
feel good for a fraction of a second and then go back to wondering if someone else you've never met likes so Oh, God, it's so true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> if, if I had known this was going to be like it, I probably never would have posted anything on the internet. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. horrendous. And it's like I feel like a frog in a boiling pot of water. Uh, yeah. 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 I don't know. Like some things I try to do is, yeah, I definitely delete the apps off my phone when I'm not using them. Mm-hmm. And that feels good. Like willpower works to an extent, but not really. Yeah. I use my phone in grayscale. That's probably the best one because you can sort of offset all the weird color things that addict you. Hang on, so you're, hang on. I've heard about this and I did try it for a while. Can you tell me why I would have done it again? The grayscale? Yeah. Yeah, so what's happening at these tech companies is there's a whole bunch of people who are doing something called A-B testing. And what A-B testing is, is where they'll test, say, a blue notification versus a red notification. And I'll send this out to X percent of users and then the equal number in X percent of users. So it's basically a control, uh, an experiment with a control group. And what they'll get back is data. And the data will say, oh, the red notification works. And they're like, okay, cool. We don't need a blue notification. We're going to use a red notification now. Hey, what do you reckon's better? Like uh, one with like a square or one with a circle. So then they'll A-B test that. And whichever notification gets their attention more, they'll be like, okay, cool. So a circle works. And then they just continuously A-B test, A-B test, A-B test until they have found every single dimension that will addict a human more. And so it's like poke machines. It's like the designer of poke machines. They are figuring out with very little remorse for the neurological implications how to keep people on their platforms for as long as humanly possible. And it's fucking disgusting, dude. I fucking hate it. So one way that I can fight back is by putting my phone in grayscale because a lot of these A-B testings are things for color. And they'll find that, oh, yeah, there are visual cues and a lot of them are color-based that are going to addict you longer. So by getting rid of that, I can, I don't know, get a little bit more agency back. Wow. That is one thing we can do. Yeah. But th- that is, for me, and as I refer to one of your videos, that is the, I wash out my milk cartons and put them in the recycling, but we're spending $250 billion on coal mines that no one wants. I mean, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. You know, so for me, personally, I'm like, there's got to be upstream solutions. Like, we would not yeah. allow... We wouldn't allow an over-the-counter product to do to us and our children what these products do. Like, we just wouldn't allow it. No, man. If someone said, hey, here's a drink and we're going to sell it to kids and it makes them feel terrible about themselves, it, <laughs> they can't put it down for five hours of a day, they won't look you in the eye when you walk in the room, it makes them really, really susceptible to incredibly dangerous ideological paths and it's free. <laughs> we're going to give it also, out. We'll sell their data. Like, <laughs> yeah, and we're going to make a whole bunch of money off them. There's no fucking way any government in the world would say yes to that. Nah, nah, not at all. So uh, for me, it's about regulation. For me, it's like there's things that I cannot do and say on television. There's things that if we were to work in a – the whole story of journalism, integrity in journalism starts a long time ago. Like look into it. Like, there's a thing called yellow journalism and mm. you know, anyone with a printing press could write whatever the Pulitzer. fuck – Pulitzer, yeah. Anyone with a printing press could write whatever the fuck they wanted. They're like, oh, wow, people buy more of these things when we write. And the Irish are taking all those things. Next thing you know, I think it was like some giant food riot and 20 people died. Wow. And they went, ah, oh, we probably might have to do something about this. <laughs> and, but that's existed for over, you know, 200 years in mm. mainstream media, but we just haven't caught up. And so regu- there's got to be regulations. We're trying. We're trying real hard, but no one can get fucking elected without using these platforms, which is really no, interesting. No, no. I would love like a time regulation, like TV, 
like you know how there was prime time yeah. if you could have prime time social media or if you needed like <laughs> timely credits like so facebook turns on at like 8 p.m at night and then turns off at 9 p.m and so everyone's like oh fuck okay got to use it in one hour wow that's really that's an interesting way to look at it. i would love that and i mean man like that company makes like 13 million dollars an hour so i don't know jesus christ and it is a company that we both use to mm. help make us make more money it's it's, it's yeah it's... to not make 13 million dollars an hour but you know <laughs> We are back with more from Cam Walker in just a moment. I did want to ask a, a quick favor of you. If this podcast does give you value, if you listen to the show and it's, it's, it's a good thing in your week or day, please tell a friend, tell someone you care about, let them know that's the best thing you can do for us. Because people come and go from the subscriber feed all the time. So it's really helpful if you're able to hit share in the corner of the app that you're listening to this on and, you know, just throw it someone's way. Hey, you remember that guy you saw on Instagram or that meme you sent me once? This is him. And uh, that'll be the best thing you can do for us today. So thank you so much. If you ever need to get in touch with me, send us your email at gmail.com. It's always nice to hear from you. We'll be back with Campbell in just a minute. You might hear some ads here if you do. Thank you. If you don't, hooray. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We've spoken for nearly an hour. We haven't even mentioned the fact that you've written probably the best book on mental health I've ever read. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, man. You're very, very, very sweet. Yeah. If you haven't got Your Head is a Houseboat by Campbell Walker, just go and get it. Even if there's, if you, if you don't think there's anything wrong with you, I've digested just reams of information about psychological conditions, processes, and ways to think about my own thinking. It has helped me immeasurably to know more about what's going on. It hasn't essentially changed what's going on with me, but knowing what's happening is like, oh, this is just that thing. If I know it's just that thing, then here's a process to work either with or around this thing. And that has helped me immeasurably. What you have done by making this book, and I, I meant every single word. You asked me to read. I've read an early copy of it. Some of the illustrations weren't finished. And I meant every single word I said. It is the most accessible book on mental health I think that's ever been written. And oh I am so fucking grateful because I've had to sit through like hundreds of pages of boring academic bullshit that comes along the lines of like sometimes written by really religious Americans. You're like, oh, okay, yes, you're facing God, whatever, fuck off, get to the part, <laughs> get to the good stuff, right? <laughs> and the fact that you do it in a way that helps someone like me who can sometimes get lost in just like, you know, Asimovian levels of text 
because there's pictures. <laughs> um, I can I can get with the concepts like way easier. When did you go? I've discovered something so amazing here. I need to share this with other people. What's the way I can share this? I, I can draw this. When did you? When did that come to you? Sort of related to you. So after your show, which triggered a two-month-long Xanax binge within me, which triggered me finally talking about being sexually abused, which triggered me actually going to therapy and trying to get some help, it was during the therapy and I found craziest thing for me doing it was cbt cognitive behavioral therapy which is the main principle is that you are not your thoughts and you can observe them and i mean that's not the entire basis of the book but there's a lot of principles that are cbt adjacent in there but the one that really blew my mind was i was having really hectic sexual abuse flashbacks and i started getting them one day when i was actually in therapy which anyone who's been to therapy will actually know that that's a good thing because there are so often so many sessions where you get there and you'd be like, oh man, I'm doing great right now. Why, why do I even need this? Here's 200 bucks. Yeah, see ya. But for me to actually have one while I was sitting across from a therapist was just wild. And she went through this breathing exercise that sort of grounded me and just ended up reminding me that I'm in a safe room right now and that my brain thinks that some bad stuff is going on right now. But in reality, what's going on is just this room and it's all okay. And for her to separate the reality that my head was believing with objective reality and for me to sort of see those two things and make a choice as to which reality I was going to embody blew my mind. And what I did when I got home was I wrote out what she had talked about, but I wanted to make it memorable. And so to make it memorable, I kind of started writing it as this wacky metaphor and when I start writing, things usually just get a little bit wackier and wackier and wackier. And I'm like, there's a big bull inside my head and my head is a china shop. And this bull has seen a lot of bad things. So I was bucking around in the china shop, but the china shop isn't, you know, just kind of spiraled out from there. And I was like, huh, I like this metaphor. And then I started writing down all the other sort of things that I've like accrued throughout my life. Like just, I mean, as we all go through life, we all pick up these lessons, either we experience them or we get them from other people. And so I started writing them down in metaphors. And then I realized that the actual metaphor sort of looked like one big metaphor. And then that ended up forming the basis of the book. (laughs) You have an incredible gift, Cam, in that you are able to explain quite complicated things quite simply. And I don't know if that's because you're someone who was fascinated with physics, which is beyond the scope of most punters. (laughs) And when said, so what did you do at uni today? And you had to try to tell them about, you know, <laughs> you had to go, well, think about, you know, those, those Super Bowls you used to get out of the, the candy machine. It's that, but it's the energy right at the point before it bounces back. <laughs> That's it. Oh, right. Oh. Imagine a fly is getting hit by a train. Yeah. <laughs> that is potential. That's what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have it before I throw it, but when I do throw it, <laughs> suddenly it's there, you know, but without all the squiggly math stuff that I have no idea about. So maybe, maybe that's where it's come that's, from. I don't know. That's a pretty cool parallel, man. Yeah. From science communication to maybe that's communication. it. No, yeah. No, you, you might be on the money because I adored Psycom when I was younger as well. And I remember thinking as I was going through the degree, um, I was like more idolizing science communicators than actual scientists. Yeah. I was like, fuck, man, they can explain that. 
Yeah. I think it's so it's so important. In fact, as we move forward into you know trying to avert a climate apocalypse, science communication <laughs> is possibly going to be the most important job we have in our community. Goodness knows, health communication is like how the fuck are you ever going to go up against? the machine that makes fucking money every time a frightened mother clicks on a meme that tells her that oh. she's a she's a mother bear and she's got to protect her cubs. <laughs> oh. And it's it's horrible because people are literally using like probably the biggest shame trigger that there is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to need f- huge amounts of uh, talent in the science communication. A, a good mate of mine does that for a job and he said it's, it's the greatest thing ever. He tells stories about, I did this gig today. It's a bunch of six-year-olds and their whole face just go, whoa. He says it's the greatest thing ever. We need yeah. more Dr. Carls. Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. And there's actually a degree in it up at UQ. Yeah, true, yeah, true. There Thank is. God. Yeah, there That's is. Awesome. So it's, just a, it's, it's a really important and powerful, powerful, powerful job. Mate, I could I, honestly, I could talk to you forever. And I'm so grateful that I found you, Cam. I really, really am. I don't know what algorithm popped you up into my feed <laughs> one day, but I'm so grateful that I, that I know you. And to hear that you were inspired to take action and that you were inspired to do the work because of some work that we did together makes me feel really, really grateful mate. And um, I'm really glad I know you, man. I really am. We didn't even talk about the time that we accidentally had dinner together. Oh. <laughs> we'll do that another time. We'll do that next time we speak. Another time. Next time. Next time. We can clickbait it. Next time when we accidentally had a double date, like yeah. literally like yeah. 22 centimetres away from each other. <laughs> it was really cool. I really liked that, that night. That was, that was lovely. Yeah. It man. was it really nice. Yeah. It was. Well, yeah. Um, well, Thank you so much, man. I feel the exact same about you. And it's, um, I don't know, it's been lovely. You've played a really huge role in my life in the past couple of years. It's been, so thank you. Let's, on this day in a year, let's record a conversation again and talk about how Everything. we today could not fucking believe what 2022 us is going through, achieving, dealing with, whatever. You're on. And that'll be great. <laughs> that'll be lovely. All right, man. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy your run if you haven't done it yet. And enjoy oh, your thanks. freedom adventure. Where are you going? Where are you going to go? Uh, yeah, up to uh, old friend of mine's house. Yeah, we're just going to have a lovely little dinner. And it's so low-key, but I'm so freaking jazzed. <laughs> I'm pumped. Audrey and I crossed the Harbour Bridge the other day. Ooh. <laughs> like for the first time in fucking I don't yeah. know how long. <laughs> Here we are north side. Yeah. This is amazing. All right, man. I love you, bro. Have a great day. It's really great to talk to you, mate. Likewise, man. And that was Campbell Walker. You can follow Cam online, Struthless. You'll find him everywhere, S-T-R-U-T-H-L-E-S-S. He's on Instagram. He's on YouTube mostly. He's freaking good. His book is called Your Head is a Houseboat. I know, right? Your head is a houseboat. Get it where you get your books and get it for someone you love. Get it for yourself. Um, but it's uh, kind of better than leaving the drug use pamphlet on your teenager's bed, right? It's like actually quite freaking good and, and, and very clever. And the exercises in the book, are, it's all, you know, it doesn't make anything up. It's all very backed up. And it's, it's a very, very clever, clever, clever way of, of getting that information across. It really helpful, helpful mental health information. We spoke a bit about sobriety today in camp. Uh, Wednesday, we are going to revisit a conversation with the doctor who first helped me think about my drinking. Uh, the doctor who first not only diagnosed 
my mental health uh, issues, but also kind of found and discovered and let me know that I was using alcohol rather unsuccessfully, I might add, to treat those issues. And uh, maybe actual medication might be a better idea. Turns out it was. Um, I didn't believe him at first, but, you know, that's a long story. Dr. Ian Chung is my guest on Wednesday. Massive thank you to everyone that helped me make this show today. Uh, Toe Hider on the music, Bree Steele on research support, Andy Ma, my audio producer, and, of course, the executive producer of this show, the live show, and every other bananas idea that I have, Rachel Barrett. She is the best. Keep an ear out for live dates. Um, Melbourne, hopefully first week in April. Brisbane, third week in April. I hope to give you days and venues as soon as I possibly can. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. Say hi to Cam if you get in touch with him through the week. Sleep well and dream of beautiful things. 